Well, friends, there's this awesome story in the Old Testament about a guy named Jacob. He was the son of Isaac, the grandson of the father of the faith, uh, Abraham. And famously, he pretends to be his brother so he can trick his father, Isaac, into giving him the blessing of the firstborn. And he's successful, but in the process, he alienates and infuriates his brother Esau. So much so that Esau wants to kill him. So Jacob's mother, Rebekah, tells him to flee. Go back to my home, homeland and get out of here. Go find, go find a wife from there and get away from here until Esau's brother's anger uh, calms down. I mean, consider how much Jacob must have been dealing with at that time. Consider the broken, brokenness in his family. His father, Isaac, is near death. They don't know how, he doesn't know how much longer his father is going to live. And now he has to run away from home. His father might die while he's gone. His brother wants to kill him. And his mother is the one that's kind of instigated all of this chaos within the family. So he has all of this on his mind, on his heart. And now he has to go to a place he's never been. All alone. But something miraculous happens. Jacob lies down, he goes to sleep, and he has a dream. And in the dream, there is a ladder or a staircase that's going up to heaven, and the angels are going to and fro, perhaps from different missions that God has assigned them. They're coming back and forth down this this staircase. Now, some scholars think this is maybe the ancient ziggurat that was a staircase up to heaven, where the people of that time, they thought this was a portal between the heavenly realm and the earthly realm. But it's amazing what happens is that Jacob wakes up from the dream. Maybe it's during the dream, I don't remember. But God, God speaks to him, and God reaffirms that his blessing is going to be with Jacob, that the blessing given to Abraham and to Isaac is going to be with him, and that through him and his family, all the nations shall be blessed. And then God says to him this, Behold, I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Friends, I believe God wants to remind every single one of you, everybody listen to me online, behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So God, so God tells Jacob this. He wakes from his sleep and Jacob says, the Lord is certainly in this place and I did not know it. You see, Jacob had all these problems, chaos in his family, conflict, the near death of his father. He's on this journey and he thinks he's all alone. He thinks God is not with him. He is not aware of the presence of God, but the reality was God was with him. And friends, it's my contention that even though, even though we Christians, we know Jesus is with us by the Holy Spirit, but oftentimes I think we functionally live without the regular and constant awareness of his presence. 
Because we live in a secular society that has trained you over time to keep God out of your mind. We've been taught to live as functional atheists. When we look at nature, we see natural processes in atoms, in science, instead of seeing the creative and sustaining power of God. When amazing circumstances happen in your life, perhaps we think it's coincidence instead of providence. We say we're lucky instead of saying this was God. When difficulties arise, we turn to devices and vices instead of to God who's right there. And if we have a strange dream like Jacob did, we probably just chalk it up to something we ate instead of thinking, maybe God's trying to get my attention about something. We have been trained to think God is not there. We have the Holy Spirit, but we don't know how to live by the Spirit. Like Jacob, we're all walking with different stuff. We're all walking with our difficulties that we have in life. But we're unaware that the Spirit is with us right now. You say you believe that the Holy Spirit is in you. I believe every one of you would say, yeah, I believe the Holy Spirit's with me. Christ is with me. But do you live like that's true? Do you live like that's true? Friends, if you could learn to live with the awareness that God is with you wherever you go, that he's speaking to you, how would that change your life? Would that not change everything? It would change everything. The practice of God's presence, I believe, will change everything for you, every single thing about your life. And when David prayed in Psalm 16, in fact, if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles, you can follow along with me this morning. We'll be in Psalm 16 verse 7 through 11. You can look at what David says. And in verse 8, David prays, I have set the Lord continually before me, or I keep my eyes always on the Lord. But in the NASB it says, I have set the Lord continually before me. And I believe that is the secret of living by the Holy Spirit. You want to live by the Spirit, you want to walk by the Spirit, We need to do what David did. I have set the Lord continually before me. You see, friends, God is with us. The Spirit is with us. But like David, we need to bring our minds in alignment with with that truth over and over again. I have set the Lord continually before me. Over and over again, I'm setting him before me. Everywhere I go, my eyes are on God. My eyes are on Jesus. For myself, I'm learning to picture Jesus right next to me. For some people I've heard, they picture maybe they picture Jesus on the throne or they picture the loving presence of God kind of as a light around them. You can picture whatever you need to in your mind, but you set God before you so that whoever I'm talking to, wherever I'm going, no matter what I'm facing, I'm remembering Jesus is with me. Jesus is with me. And I just set him right there. I set him right in front of me. And if you can learn to do this, friends, I I truly believe this will change everything for you. How will it change you? you Let me give you some points about this. First, awareness of his presence brings you counsel. Awareness of his presence will bring you counsel. In verse 7, David says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. All day long, he's receiving counsel from God. Friends, this may sound controversial, but, it, but it's true. The Bible 
does not tell you what to do in every circumstance. It doesn't tell you what to do with everything in your life. Now, don't get me wrong. We talked about Psalm 1 last week and how it's so important to meditate on the law day and night. That's where the fruit comes from. But the Bible doesn't give you everything you need for life. Life is filled with complex decisions. Some decisions will be incredibly life-changing for you. What career path should I take? Should I pursue a new opportunity? Where will I live? Who will I befriend? Should I marry or not? Who might I marry? What should I study in school? Where is God calling me? How do I live out my retirement years? Other decisions, they're not as life-changing, but they are important and complex. How do I handle this tough situation at work? How do I handle this conflict? How do I get through to my kids? How do I deal with this broken situation in my family? How should I spend my time this week, today? The Bible surely gives us principles that surely we would be lost without them, that we need the Word of God to guide us and help us, but we need more than principles. We need counsel. Counsel. A good parent will surely give their children truths and principles to live by, but nothing can replace counsel. When, you're, when your child comes to you and just says, Mom, I don't know what to do. I need help. What should I do? That's what we need from God. And this is what Jesus promised we have. We have this. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. How amazing is this promise? But as I said, most of us, we believe this. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We say that in the creed, don't we? We know we have the counselor with us. But the problem is, we don't know how to receive his counsel. We don't know how to receive it. Well, I've given a few sermons on how to hear from the Holy Spirit. You can find that online. I can't get into it all right now, but if you'd like, you can go look it up. But if the Spirit is in you, His job is to teach you all things, to remind you of Jesus' teaching at the moments you precisely need them. And our job is to listen, to ask for it, and to listen. We need to be asking for this guidance and listening for it. This counsel can come in all kinds of ways. Uh, thoughts from the Word of God, from people in your life. In fact, uh, Jean Austin was telling me a story recently. And she was visiting a castle on one of their trips to where are you, England, Scotland. You're in Scotland, of course. And uh, she's, she had told me that uh, she had this overwhelming feeling that she had to begin praying right then for her Uncle Bob. And she told me that this was strange. She had not thought of her Uncle Bob in a long time. And she's looking at this amazing castle. Why is this weird thought out of nowhere coming to me? I need to pray for him right now. So she starts praying. And then she starts feeling like, I need to pray for comfort for his family. And she's again like, this is strange. The next day, she receives a text that her Uncle Bob had passed away. And that the family needed comfort in that time. She had no idea that this was happening. But the Spirit of God 
had put a burden in her heart and she paid attention. Sometimes the Spirit will do this. The Spirit will put a burden on your heart that you can't ignore. For me, sometimes the counsel comes to me like fresh ideas, like, like a light bulb is coming off. I'm, I'm, I'm facing some problem. I don't know the solution. Like this sermon I was preparing for, I had like one page written. I was like, God, <laughs> you got to help me. I don't know what I'm going to say to these people. I need counsel. And I'm, I'm not even lying to you. It's like I prayed about this, and then like it just started coming, and it came in like an hour, like an hour and a half. Now, don't give me any credit for that, and don't give yourself too much credit for these things, because these things come from the Spirit of God. A light bulb went off, and suddenly I knew what to do. God will counsel you in many different ways. But if you want to receive this counsel, you've got to be willing to ask for it and to listen. When Samuel, when God was calling Samuel, and he didn't know his voice, prophet Eli, the priest Eli, I mean, he says, go back. And when the voice comes to you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. He's telling the Lord, I want your counsel. I'm listening to your counsel. That's why I say that every week before I give the sermon. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. We need to remember that we have the greatest counselor, the wisest being in all of creation, living in us who is with us. I mean, imagine... Imagine you were learning to play guitar, and you're practicing, and you realize, oh my gosh, John Herpelsheimer's right next to me. <laughs> Would you not be asking him, hey, what, what, what do I do here? Would you not be turning to him constantly? Say, how do I do this? Or imagine you were trying to learn how to play golf, and Scott Roman, our pro, our PGA pro. He was right there with you. Would you not be like, hey, how's my, how's my stance? This looks terrible. I know. This is probably not how you do this. What am I doing? Am I doing it wrong? <laughs> I'm sure it's terrible. I'd be looking up constantly. What do I do? Are my hands right? Is my back right? I mean, you would be looking to counsel. Imagine you were studying the Bible in N.T. Wright. Scott McKnight. Eugene Peterson, they're right there. Would you not be like, hey, what? Verse 16, what does verse 16 mean to you? I mean, the entire time, you would be asking them questions. You'd be listening. Friends, we have access to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, we can receive his counsel at any time. We just have to ask, Lord, what do I do? What should I do? What should we do? We have to re receive, friends, this gift of asking and listening being led by the Spirit. So if you can practice this, if you can practice the awareness of God, you'll receive counsel. The second thing, the awareness of His presence. Go to the next slide, please. Awareness of His presence brings you courage. Awareness of His presence will bring you courage. David says in verse 8, I have set the Lord continually before me. Because He is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. See, again, we're setting Jesus in front of us wherever we go. Because he's at my right hand, I won't be shaken by anything that comes. Now, the scholar, biblical scholar John Walton, he shed some light on this context. 
And he says a fully armed warrior would hold his weapon in his right hand and the shield in his left, and the person to the right of the king would have the privilege of defending him. So God is in the position of the defender, the protector, the one who's guarding you. You have defense on this side, and you have God on this side. God is the defender. And if God is with you, it's his responsibility to oversee your total well-being and that even if you go through the fire, there is ultimately nothing to fear, which is why David could pray in a later psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is with us in the lowest and darkest points. And even if the worst could happen, even if death comes upon you, no matter how it comes upon you, even then, God will protect your life. This is why David prays in verses 9 through 11. My body will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. Now, the New Testament authors and, and apostles, they applied this to Jesus as a messianic prophecy, right? You might remember that. But what happens to Jesus happens to those who are in him. And so this promise is also for us. He will not abandon his people to the grave. We will rise with him. God says, behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God has promised us we will rise with him. We will rise with Christ, and we will be with him forever. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? He will not leave us until he gives us this gift. So if God is with me, even if I die, I don't really die. I will rise. In Christ, then, all things work together for God's purposes for me to be conformed to the image of Christ. We have God with us as our defender. And this should give us courage. Let me give you some other mental exercises. Imagine you had Dwayne the Rock Johnson as your personal bodyguard. Or maybe for some of you who are older, Rocky Balboa. Or some of you who are in fantasy, Thor. Or Yoda. You got them right there. I mean, wouldn't you be afraid of anything? No. You got them right there. We have God. We have God with us. The most powerful being in the universe. There's nothing to fear. He's with us. God said through Isaiah, do not fear. I am with you. Do not be afraid. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Whew. God will hold on to us. If you can be aware of his presence, you will have courage. A third benefit of this is that if you can have awareness of his presence, you'll have comfort. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, Jacob was on the run. His life was broken and chaotic. He didn't know the place where he was going, but how much comfort he would have received by God reminding him, I'm with you. I'm going to keep you, and I'm not leaving you until I've done what I promised you. The rod and staff, they comfort him. They, the rod and staff, they remind the sheep, the shepherd is close. The shepherd is here. 
When we go through the low valleys, Satan might whisper to you that God's not near. God is far away from you. Or God is mad at you. God doesn't want you near him. And sometimes we have to express those feelings, right? Like, God, you do feel far away. It seems like you're not hearing me, God. That's appropriate, and we need to pray those prayers. But we also have to remind ourselves and to bring the awareness of the truth that despite everything, Jesus is with us. What did he say? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you, Jesus says. He's near to us at all times, and his ministry is one of comfort. We just simply have to bring it to mind. Jesus is with me. I'm going to set him before me continually. Behold, I'm with you. I'll keep you wherever you go. Another benefit of the awareness of his presence is that this will bring you closer to God. This will bring you closer to God. Sometimes we have the problem that, you know, we believe that the Holy Spirit is with us. We believe that God is near, God is close, but we're not actually close to God. We're not walking with Him. We're not communing with Him. And friends, I believe this is a medicine, this is a remedy for you. Uh, as, as important as personal devotions are, as, as important as a quiet time with God, th- those are necessary to sustain you, but I believe in the busyness of the culture that we live in, if, if that's all you have, it likely will not be enough to sustain a vibrant walk with Jesus. And here's the key. Just be with Him all day long. Be with Him all day long. Walk with Him all day long. Talk with Him all day long. Brother Lawrence is probably the most famous Christian for talking about this, the, the practice of the presence of God, Right? Um, And he said, I have found that we can establish ourselves in a sense of the presence of God by continually talking with him. Another Christian that you should be aware of who who also practiced this was a man named Frank Laubach. And he was a missionary in the Philippines. And he wrote, my part is to live in this hour in continuous inner conversation with God. If our religious premises are correct at all, then this oneness with God is the most normal condition one can have. Friends, if this is true, if the Spirit is with us, it's not a burden to be always aware of His presence. It's a gift. It's a gift that we can be close to Him. Every Christian can be close to Jesus. Every Christian can know Him as a personal friend. But you, but you say you believe in Jesus. You believe in him. That's great. Are you close to him? Are you his friend? Do you know him? Does he know you? That's the crux of the matter. Close with Jesus. Close with him. Another benefit this will bring to you is that awareness of his presence will bring you conviction. Conviction. David prays in verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. Now remember from Psalm 1 and from Jesus, we talked about the two paths of life, right? There's the path away from God of of wickedness that leads to destruction, and there's the path with God that leads to life. David says, you make known to me the path of life. 
the path of righteousness and holiness and justice and in his presence. Or as David prays in Psalm 23, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Friends, if you remember Jesus, the one crucified on the cross for your manifold sins, if you remember that he is with you, if you visually in your mind you set him before you, right next to you, all around you, how will that not bring conviction to everything that you do? If you're setting Jesus always before you, you'll talk differently to the people in your life. You'll talk differently to your kids. You'll talk differently to your spouse. You'll talk differently to your friends. You'll talk differently to people at work. You'll ask for help when you're feeling tempted. You'll think twice before you buy something. Lord, is this pleasing? Is this pleasing to you, what I'm about to do? You'll think twice before doing something you shouldn't. When you feel tempted, you can just ask for help. God, strengthen me. Friends, if the, if the teacher is watching you take the test, how likely is it that you're going to cheat on the test? Right? If your kids are watching what you do, how could you deliberately be a bad example? If you see the cop is patrolling your speed, do you speed up or do you slow down? <laughs> like we all know what we do. I'm like, oh, oh man, whoo! No ticket on that one. If you remember at all times, your father, the, your judge, your master is with you and empowering you, conviction comes. Brother Lawrence says, I want to say nothing and do nothing that would be displeasing to him. And don't get me wrong, I, I don't want you to feel like there's this constant like Pharisee, like nitpicking of everything that you do. That's, that's, God is a loving father. But in his presence, that will bring conviction. It will bring conviction about what we do. So we listen to him and we go along the right path for his name's sake. And finally, if this wasn't enough for you, let me give you one more. Awareness of his presence brings you contentment. David prays in verse 11, You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Friends, in his presence is fullness of joy. Contentment. Contentment means happiness and satisfaction often because you have everything you need. And if Jesus is with you, you have everything you need. The Apostle Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. That's the true context of that verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we have to receive the strength, receive his joy, receive his contentment, seek his help, commune with him, and this will bring you joy in your life. Brothers and sisters, Jesus died on the cross. He rose again and he ascended to heaven so that you could have this. He died for this. He died so that you could walk with Him, so that He could send His Holy Spirit to you, and His Spirit could be in you. If Jesus died for this, how important is this? It's a gift. Our part is simply just to be open and to be aware. Yes, it's effort, but how can it not be worth it? Awareness of His presence. 
will bring you counsel and courage and comfort and closeness and conviction and contentment. The bottom line is you can't afford to live without this. Some spiritual giants, they consider this foundational spiritual discipline. This is, this is the foundation that you need for everything else. How can we do it? Frank Laubach, he said, instead of talking to yourself, form the habit of talking with Christ. Setting, let your mind wander. If you're worrying about something, a worry is a sign just to make that into a prayer. Lord, I'm worried about this. I'm thinking about this. Instead of talking to yourself, talk with Jesus. Another way we can do this is in Colossians 3.23, Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord. That all I do, everything I'm doing is out of active love for Him. I'm thinking about Him. I want to please Him. I want to walk with Him. To close this morning, I want to invite uh, John and Matthias up. They're going to give us some special music. And um, I also have some questions for you. Uh, Each week during this sermon series, I want to give you a question for your toolbox. In the covenant, we believe in the power of questions because they, they connect us. And you're going to be getting a new question every week that goes with the sermon. So last week, I forgot to give this to you, but I'm giving it to you now. What is God, what is God teaching you in His Word, and how are you responding? And today, our question is, how are you experiencing God? How are you experiencing God? As you live in His presence, like Jacob, you're going to be reminded, wow, I've been living all this time. I've been living all this time unaware, but, but God has been with me everywhere I go. And now is the time to begin, friends, to live into His presence. And as you do, this is really what the bottom line that I believe God wants to even to say to you right now. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you.